Welcome to Resurrection Sunday. How many are glad for what Jesus has done for us? You know, Friday night we had Good Friday service. This morning we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. I just think we should take a moment right now and just think about the last words of that song. God of heaven, God of glory, God of majesty. Praise forever to the King of Kings. Can we just lift our hearts to God and thank Him for all Jesus did and for His resurrection today? Let's just give Him praise. Father, we honor You today and we glorify Your name. We thank You for Jesus. Thank You for loving us and sending Your Son. 
We thank you that he not only died on the cross, but because you accepted his sacrifice for our sins, you raised him from the dead, and we are now justified by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you that Jesus lives. Because he lives, we live also today and forever. We thank you for your love, your power, your grace in our lives. We honor the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we give God praise one more time this morning? Before you're seated, why don't you just take a moment, say hello, happy Easter to those around you. And if there are empty seats in your row, maybe you can scoot in some. of Jesus with all of you this morning. This is a beautiful sight. Wow. So glad you are here today. It is so good celebrating with you. We're really glad you're here. And if you are here at the bridge for the very first time, We just want to especially welcome you. You know, we're honored that you chose to join us this morning. So glad you are here. And we would love to meet you face-to-face. So we just encourage you to stop by the Info Center before you leave today. We'd love to answer any questions you have, give you any additional information you might like about the bridge. And, of course, you can always check out our website or church app for further information as well. But we are just so glad you are here. Hey, for those of us who call the Bridge Church home, can we just put our hands together and welcome our guest today? Awesome. And in just a few moments, we're going to be sharing God's word for this day. But before we do, I just want to take a moment and say thank you to everybody who calls the Bridge Church home for your faithfulness in giving week by week by week. There are different ways you can give here at the Bridge. And if you're a guest with us today, we don't ask you to pay our bills. We don't put any pressure on anyone. But we simply say, the Bridge Church, we see our giving as worship to God. We're not just throwing money in a pile to try to pay some bills. This is worship to God. I want to say thank you so much for your worshiping hearts, for all you do to give us the opportunity to take the message of Jesus, not just to our community, but literally around the world. So thank you today. God bless you as you give. And now, if you would, put your hands together. Let's welcome Pastor Zach as he comes to share. Hey, happy Resurrection Sunday, everybody. He is risen. That's good news today, right? Nice. It's good to be in the house with you guys this morning. And uh, I congratulated everybody in first service for getting here at 830. I know I don't need to congratulate you guys because 10 o'clock is not that early, is it? Some of you were like, yes, congratulations to you as well. 
We're glad you're here. Hey, if you are a guest, let me just add my welcome today. We are thrilled to get to spend this day with you. My name is Zach, and I have the privilege of getting to bring the Easter message today on Resurrection Sunday. So I want to invite you to join me this morning in Matthew chapter 28, if you have your Bible. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's cool too. You can follow on a device if you'd like, or we'll have the verses on the screens for you so that you can follow along with where you're going. But you know, today we really look back and celebrate the fact that Jesus was risen from the grave. He was taken up in resurrection from the grave. And this weekend is just such an amazing thing because I hope you were here on Friday night. Friday night, is anybody here on Good Friday, Friday evening? Oh, man. If you weren't here, you missed an amazing evening. It was awesome, our very first Good Friday service. And so this whole weekend just flows together with the death of Christ and the resurrection. Today, the resurrection is, of course, our focus. And I think that it wouldn't be right if we didn't go forward without reading at least one account of the resurrection from Scripture. So I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 1. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door, and the angel sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. And it's from these passages that we are able to look back and recognize that Jesus is not dead. He is alive and well, and we celebrate that today in Jesus' name. You know, with all of that said, I want to take a few minutes and focus our attention on some, onto some events that happened after the resurrection of Jesus. And in fact, what we see is that each gospel account of the empty tomb is told a little bit differently. But one thing each gospel has in common is that when the tomb is discovered, Jesus is nowhere to be found. And he's actually not even seen until at least a few hours later that day after the resurrection. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, three of the four gospel writers, they all tell us that when certain women discovered that Jesus' body is not in the empty tomb, an angelic messenger appears and tells them that he is alive. This tells us that until Jesus was seen face-to-face after the resurrection, even his own disciples had to, by faith, believe that the message was true, that he was, in fact, alive. And the truth is, that's not much different for us here today, because until the day comes that we see Jesus face-to-face, we believe, by faith, that he is risen, just like the disciples, until they actually saw him face-to-face. But isn't it interesting how the issues of life can sometimes discourage our faith? Sometimes our circumstances have a way of suppressing our belief in what Christ has done for us, allowing discouragement to grow within us. But what if the resurrection of Christ was not just about overcoming death, but also overcoming our discouragement? Today I want to show you three brief scenes after the resurrection where Jesus not only conquered death, but he conquered discouragement for us as well. So if you've got your Bible, again, the next scene I want to show you is in Luke chapter 14. Excuse me, Luke 24. We're going to focus on Luke 24 for just a few minutes, and I want to show you a story that unfolds after the resurrection. Remember, Jesus is told to have risen, but nobody has seen him yet face to face. 
And in Luke 24, there are a couple of people that we think of as being followers of Christ who are on this road, this path, to a local village called Emmaus. And Scripture tells us that Emmaus was probably seven or eight miles away from Jerusalem. So these two followers of Christ are walking away from Jerusalem back to Emmaus where they begin to have a very emotional and deep, passionate conversation. And along their journey, not only are they having this talk, but suddenly a stranger walks up and begins to join in on their conversation, wondering what it is that they're so passionately and emotionally talking about. And as the stranger walks up and engages them in conversation, the thing that they don't know is that the stranger who's walked up to them is actually Jesus. But Scripture tells us that God has prevented their eyes from yet seeing that it's Jesus. Imagine that. They're disciples, followers of Jesus, but he walks upon them and they don't even recognize them, right? Recognize him because God has prevented them from seeing. And so the stranger walks up and says, what are you guys talking about? What's going on? What is this passionate conversation that you're having? Now, look at Luke 24 and verse 18. Then the one whose name was Cleopas, one of these two people walking on the path, answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happen there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, notice capital H, they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. Now watch these very important words at the beginning of verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he, that it was Jesus who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early, they astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But again, notice these words, but him they did not see. There's two interesting phrases that pop up in that passage of scripture that speak of what was going through their hearts and their minds after hearing about the resurrection, but not yet seeing Jesus for themselves. We had hoped, and they went to the tomb, and we heard that he was alive, but him we did not see. I think this scene paints for us a picture of disappointment. These followers of Jesus on this road or path to Emmaus, they had hoped that Jesus was the Messiah, and they would find themselves leaving Jerusalem perplexed, confused, and disappointed. Disappointed that Jesus had died. Disappointed that Jesus had seemingly failed them. And disappointed that even though they had heard he was alive, they had not yet seen him with their own eyes. I think this picture of disappointment is one that every single one of us can relate to. Because whether or not you are a believer in Christ, we all walk through seasons of disappointment in our lives. And circumstances in life have a way of diminishing our faith, even though we've heard the good news of the new life that we have in Christ Jesus. And for many of us, our lives can be defined by disappointments causing us, to fe- causing us to feel as though God is distant and aloof from our situation. 
Two things I want to point out to you from this story of the road to Emmaus. Two interesting observations. The first one is the fact that God supernaturally prevented these followers from recognizing Jesus. That boggles my mind. If they had walked with Jesus for two or for three years or even one year, certainly they would have been able to recognize Jesus. But the passage leads us to believe that God prevented them supernaturally, miraculously, from recognizing him. But secondly and more importantly, the fact that Jesus approached these two followers and didn't just walk up to them and greet them as a stranger, but he walked all the way to Emmaus with them, which is, again, said to be seven or eight miles. Not only did he walk with them, but he listened to their grief. And he listened to them tell the story of their disappointment. When we read on in this story, what we see is that this stranger, Jesus, begins to bring understanding from Scripture about the significance of the crucifixion. Then when they arrive in Emmaus and Jesus reveals himself to them, he sits down and he shares a meal with them as well. And after these events, their hearts are so encouraged that they run back to Jerusalem and they begin to tell everyone, it's true, it's true, Jesus is alive and we have seen him with our own eyes. See, the story tells me that even though our lives might sometimes be plagued by disappointment, Jesus is walking with us through it even when we don't recognize him. And he wants to walk with us through the journey of life, breaking bread and bringing understanding to our lives. And if we'll be willing to walk with him in faith through every season, the testimony of our lives will be just like those of these followers, that Jesus is alive. I've seen him with my own eyes and in and through my life. He has risen from the dead, and because of him, I have found new life as well. You see, my friends, when Jesus conquered death, he also conquered our disappointments. And if you came here today, and maybe the idea of the resurrection of Christ and the Easter message just seems like a motion that you go through in this time of year, I want to tell you that disappointments don't have to define your life because when Christ was raised from the dead, he didn't just conquer death. He conquered each and every one of our disappointments so that we could walk forward in life in victory, the victory that he destined for us on the other side of the empty tomb. If I may add this as well. Life has a way of disappointing us sometimes. And I want to say to every single person in the house that might not have a relationship with God, you might have been disappointed by people, you might have been disappointed by circumstances, but Jesus will never disappoint. He never fails us, he never leaves us, he never forsakes us. He conquered death and he conquered our disappointments. And the second scene I want to show you is actually found in John chapter 20. It's another event that takes place after the resurrection of Christ. And just to give you a little bit of context in this story, you know, it's really amazing that Jesus would walk with those two followers on the road of Emmaus all the way to Emmaus because Jesus had other people to meet with that day. And we actually see a part of that story unfold next in this following passage because Jesus actually comes and meets with his disciples later on on the same day as his resurrection. His disciples are fearful, they're worried, they're concerned that the same people that put Jesus to death might be coming after them if they were to publicly come out and speak about their faith in Christ. So they're in a locked room, in a closed room, and suddenly they have this encounter with Jesus who appears to them for the very first time after the resurrection. But suspiciously, there's one disciple who's not there, and it's this guy we know as Thomas. Look at verse 24 of John 20. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the twelve, 
was not with them when Jesus came to meet the disciples. The other disciples therefore said to Thomas, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. So Thomas said to them, listen, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And I want to just push pause right there for a moment, if I can, on this passage of Scripture. Because this scene with Thomas paints a picture of doubt. First, we talked about how Jesus didn't just die to conquer death. He died to conquer our disappointments. But I think this picture begins to show us that Jesus also died and rose again to conquer all of our doubts. This is also the place where we see this disciple Thomas get his famous nickname of Doubting Thomas. When we hear this nickname, Doubting Thomas, we can easily characterize Thomas as the pessimist. The one who always sees the glasses half empty. The one who looks for clouds on every sunny day. The one who sees the thorns rather than the roses. That was Thomas, or at least that's what we're led to believe from this passage. But I'm going to be honest with you. I think Thomas here gets a bit of a bad rap. Because if we're all honest with ourselves, I think we'd admit that if we had seen what Thomas saw, we might be doubtful too. Because Thomas stood there and he saw Jesus being beaten from a distance. He saw him bruised, broken, bloodied from a distance, crucified, put on the cross until eventually he suffocated quite literally and died. He saw it from a distance, watched from a distance, and saw what they had done to the man he knew so well that he had put his faith in. And suddenly Thomas, in hearing that Jesus was alive, had some doubts. I'm going to be honest with you. I might have had some doubts too. If I had seen what they had done to my Lord and to my Savior, and now you're going to tell me he's alive? No, 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 no. I saw the damage. I saw it for myself. I'll believe it when I see it. There's so much more to be understood about this passage of Scripture, but I want to go a step further and let you know. Notice that when Thomas tells the disciples or he speaks about his doubts, he is speaking to his fellow disciples. When he says, I'll believe it when I see it, he's not talking to Jesus He's talking to the other disciples there in that room. Look at what happens next in verse 26. And after eight days, a whole week later, his disciples were again inside, same room, same fear, locked up, worried about what was going on on the outside. But this time, Thomas was with them. And Jesus came to the doors, even though they were shut, and he stood in the midst. And he said, peace to you. Notice before he says anything else to anyone else in verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here, Thomas, and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, Thomas, but be believing. And look at Thomas's response after finally seeing it for himself. And Thomas answered and said, my Lord and my God, because Thomas got the revelation that the story was true, that Jesus was alive. The thing I love most about the story of doubting Thomas is that Thomas wasn't much different than you and me. Thomas's attitude was basically, hey, I'm no fool, I'm no sucker, I'll believe it when I see it, I hear what you're saying, but until I see it for myself, I'm just not going to buy it, guys. And right there in the midst of his doubt and his unbelief, Jesus comes to him. He didn't go looking for Jesus. Jesus comes to him and says, Thomas, look at my hands, touch them. Look at my side, touch it. Remember again, Thomas had told the disciples about his doubts. 
not Jesus. So when Jesus arrives and sees Thomas, he comes to him immediately and lets him know that he's aware of all the questions that he's been asking. He's aware of his skepticism. And this tells me that just like Thomas, Jesus has heard my doubts. He's aware of my skepticism. He knows my questions and he sees all of my concerns. And even though I might be believing at cer- unbelieving at certain times in my life, he's willing to meet me right where I am to prove himself to me. And I want to say to everyone in the house today that God wants to meet you right where you are and prove himself to you. He wants to reintroduce himself to you if you feel far from him so that just like Thomas, your declaration will be, that's my Lord and that's my Savior, that's my God, and you will go forward in faith in Jesus Christ, leaving all of your doubts behind. I want to tell you this morning, my friends, that when Jesus was raised from the dead, he didn't just conquer death, he conquered each and every one of our doubts. And if you find yourself the skeptic, you find yourself the cynical one, you find yourself at times having doubts, I want to say to you today, Jesus isn't afraid of your doubts. He's not afraid of your questions. Whatever questions, concerns, skepticism, cynicism you might want to bring to him, he'll reach out and show you the scars in his hands and say, it's okay. It's okay. I understand your doubts. And even though you might be doubting, I paid the price for your doubts. And I've been raised back to life so that you can have new life too. There's one last piece to this story that I love so much. It's in verse 29. It says that Jesus continues to speak and he says, Thomas, because you have seen me, now you believe. But watch this. Blessed are those who have not seen me, yet have believed. Do you know who he's talking to? He's talking to us. You might be here this morning asking all the questions in the world about the reality of what Jesus did for you. He's not afraid of your questions. And today, if he's moving in your heart and knocking on the door of your heart, I want to tell you something. By believing in the sacrifice that he made for you and the resurrection from the dead, we are accepted and blessed by God when we put our faith in Jesus, even if we haven't seen him with our own eyes. That's good news this morning, 2,000 years later. Amen? Third scene I want to show you after the resurrection actually takes place in the life of of perhaps the most famous disciple, and that's a man named Peter. Peter, the man who was always so quick to open mouth and insert foot. The one who loved to speak up when people shouldn't talk. There are literally times in Scripture when Jesus would be talking, and the next line says, and Peter continued speaking, because Peter just didn't know when to shut up sometimes. Jesus started telling his disciples, he says, listen, guys, in a few days, I'm going to have to die. I'm going to go to the cross. In fact, Jesus' exact words, I'm going to suffer many things. And when Peter heard what Jesus was going to do, Peter said, no, 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 that's not going to happen. That can't happen. Nothing's going to come between me and you. I'll stop it. I'll prevent it. I'll fight. I'll make sure that nobody takes your life. And Jesus literally rebukes Peter. And he says, not only are you not going to get in the way, He says, but Peter, three times you're going to deny that you even know me. And when the rooster crows, that'll confirm that you've done it for a third time. We see the story play out right before Jesus goes to the cross that Peter denies Jesus three times. And then that rooster crows, crows confirming the words of Jesus. And it's at this moment at the crucifixion where suddenly Peter is totally removed from the story. He's not mentioned as being at the cross 
Scripture says there were multiple disciples who watched from afar of the cross, and so we can easily assume that perhaps Peter was there. But I just want you to put yourselves in the shoes of Peter for a moment and seeing Jesus on his darkest day. A few days ago, you were saying, hey, Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'll never let you get away. I'll make sure nobody comes after you. But pretty soon, just like Peter, you've denied Christ three times, and on Jesus' darkest day, you suddenly find yourself having one too. We don't know what happened to Peter during the days of crucifixion when Jesus was beaten, went to the cross, and died. We don't exactly know where he was, if he was there or not. Sometimes we like to tell the story that maybe Peter felt hurt and disappointed, walked away, and went back to fishing. We don't know. But here's what I do know. Peter's denial of Christ could have been the very thing that defined his story. But I want to show you what happens next in Mark chapter 16 and look at Mark's account of the resurrection. Just two simple verses. The announcement that Jesus had been raised from the dead. Mark 16 and verse 6 says, But the angel said to the women who were there, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. Well, guess what? He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But look at the instruction. Verse 7. But go and tell the news to his disciples, and oh yeah, tell Peter that Jesus is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him, just like you said. I get to the end of this story, and I'm reminded that Peter's denial of Christ was not a denial that he believed in Christ. It was a denial that he even knew Christ. And part of the reason why I think Peter did that was because I think he looked and saw at everything that Jesus was going through and he realized if I'm going to follow Jesus, the price might be the same for me. I think for a lot of us, sometimes we fall short of following Jesus because we look at the cost of following Jesus and we say, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure I'm willing to pay that price. The good news is this morning that Jesus paid the ultimate price for all of us and he's not asking us to do the same thing that he did. But I want to tell you something, there is something to be said about taking up our cross and following Jesus daily if we want to live our lives for him. Peter's life could have been defined by his denial. But I look at the story and I'm reminded that it didn't have to be defined by denial because when Jesus was raised from the dead in his resurrection, he didn't just conquer death, he conquered all of our denials. Every time we looked at Jesus and said, the price seems too heavy. It seems too much. I'm not so sure I'm willing to do that. I'm not so sure I can go there. I'm not so sure I'm willing to lay so much of myself down. I want to tell you something. Jesus paid the ultimate price, and all he's asking us to do is lay our lives down as well and follow him. That's good news this morning. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he didn't just conquer death. He conquered all of our denials. I want to tell you something this morning, my friend. Your failures in life don't have to define your future. Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for your failures and my failures. For Peter, it could have been so easy to live with those failures and that denial and say, that's the end of the story, that's it, and walk away. But God wanted to make sure that Peter specifically got the message of the resurrection of Jesus. And I want to say this morning, I believe with all of my heart that God wants you specifically, individually, to hear the news and find the story that Jesus didn't just die for all of us. Jesus died for you and for me, each of us individually as well. So let's talk. 
Do you find yourself in a place in life where maybe life feels like it's defined by your difficulties? Feel as though your life is defined by your denials, the ways that you've failed God? Maybe it's defined by your doubts, your skepticism, your questions. When Jesus went to the cross, he took all that stuff and buried it. But when he was raised from the dead, he conquered death, our doubts, our denials, and any other worry we could ever have in our life. And I want to say to every person in the house today that Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at individually, just like Peter, just like Thomas, and just like those disciples on the road to Emmaus, because he cares about your life and he cares about your future. I want to invite everybody to stand to your feet right now with me, if you would. Don't know what the circumstances are of your life that led you to this place today. Maybe the bridge is your home church. We're so glad we get to celebrate with you today. Maybe somebody invited you here today and you already have a relationship with God. Maybe it's close. Maybe it feels a bit distant. We would love to see you take a step closer to God today during our time together. Maybe you feel far from God and you don't have a relationship with him at all. I want to say to you today that Jesus died. He gave his life for the opportunity to know you. So in these next few moments that we have, I just want to invite you to bow your head, to close your eyes right there where you're at. And I just want to ask if you would prepare your heart. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us individually today. Show us where we are with you, where we stand with you. For those of us that need to take a step toward you, Father, I pray that we would respond in Jesus' name. For the one who feels outcast today and far from you, feeling unworthy of your love and acceptance, I pray that you would meet them right where they are today. Call them by name, just like Peter. Let them know just how much you love them. For the one who might have walked in with doubts, questions, cynicism, skepticism, that you would quickly answer those questions, leaving no doubt behind. Letting them know that you see their questions, you see their concerns, and you want to meet them today in Jesus' name. God, we prepare our hearts asking to be closer to you. We worship you this morning and thank you for the ultimate price that was paid for us at Calvary. And we thank you for the resurrection in Jesus' name. Amen. i
will never die again. Death has no power over him. That is our King Jesus. Amen? Come on. Jesus Christ, crucified through his death, there is life by the blood of the Lamb. We have been forgiven. Our debt has been paid. There is grace upon grace. Only one name that saves and his name is Jesus Christ crucified through his death. There is life by the blood of the Lamb. We have been forgiven. Our debt has been paid. There is grace upon grace. telling that story of Peter just a couple of minutes ago, I was reminded that at the end of that story, Scripture doesn't actually show us when Peter got to come back and see Jesus face to face for the first time. We can only assume what that picture was like. I imagine Peter there in the midst of his denial, feeling as though he was in his darkest days. He heard the news. He heard that Jesus was alive. And then he got to have that one-on-one, face-to-face encounter. And I imagine Jesus and Peter ran to each other and just wrapped their arms around one another. And I imagine that day that Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, I know that you denied me. I know that you said you don't know me. And then I went to the cross. But the reason I went to the cross was to cover that mistake. And and we're standing here face-to-face today to tell you that I got a big, bright future in store for you. And that was not the end. This is now the new beginning for your life. We don't get to see the story. It's probably a very private moment. It reminds me that for each and every one of us, when we come to Jesus, it's not about a big public spectacle. It's not about this big dramatic moment. It's simply about a personal, private moment, an encounter with God. That's why today we don't want to embarrass anybody or put anybody on the spot, but I'll tell you something. There is no better day than Resurrection Sunday to come back into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So once again, I just want to ask if everybody in the house will bow your heads for one more moment. Maybe you're here today and you're far from God. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God. 
Maybe today you've had that relationship at some point in your life and you can look back and reflect upon it, but if you're honest, you know you're not walking with Jesus today. If you know that you need to come back into relationship with him, either for the first time or do it all over again, we want to invite you into this moment to receive Christ into your heart. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And it's not about magic words. It's not even about my prayer. It's simply about the commitment that you make in your heart to invite Christ into your life and choose to follow him with your life. And as we pray this prayer in just a moment, I want to invite everybody in the house to repeat it after me and mean it with everything inside. Would you repeat these words and say, Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross for me. I believe that your death was full payment from my sin. And I believe you were raised to life so that I could have new life too. So today I choose you as my Lord and my Savior. I will follow you all the days of my life into eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and thank God this morning for all that he's done for us. All right, listen, this moment right here might be the most important moment of our whole time, so we want to respect every single person that made a decision to follow Christ and give you our fullest attention. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or recommit your life today, we want to help you start your journey of faith. We want to give you a gift, a simple book, put this tool in your hand to help you get started. We have a book called The Next Seven Days we would love to give to you. Right after service, we're going to have some prayer teams. They'll be over here on these side walls down on the floor. Walk up to one of our prayer teams. Let them know you made a decision to follow Christ. You want to get the book. They'll give it to you. We don't need anything from you, but we're here to help if we can in any way. You want someone to pray with you, agree with you, hey, come see one of our prayer teams this morning. And then finally, if you made that decision, you can stop by the, and you need to go quickly after service, please stop by the next seven days desk. It's right between the glass doors before you exit the building. Let them know you made a decision to follow Christ and you want to get the book. We'll give it to you and help you get started in your journey of faith. Hey, we are so glad that you made that decision on Easter Sunday. Can we put our hands together and welcome people into God's family? Wow. All right. That was really good news. Jesus is alive. You want to hear some more good news? We're like a minute ahead of schedule. That means you got plenty of time to hang out afterwards, meet some friends. Hey, take some photos at the photo booth. We would love for you to hang out afterwards on Easter Sunday with your church family. God bless you guys. He is risen. We love you. Have a great Sunday and an amazing week. We'll see you in the house next weekend.